Hi guys, welcome to episode 5 of the Man V Fat podcast. I am here as ever with co-host, tech guy. Oh, so I'm the, I'm the co-host, tech yeah, guy now. you've moved up in the world. I've got a promotion. Yes, well. Okay. Uh, Roman, hello Roman. Hello. How's it going? It's going good. Good stuff, good stuff. We are here today with Man V Fat coach, uh, Sarah Venning, otherwise known as Sven. Hello. That's the last time that I will say the name Sarah to you. She's throwing daggers across the table at me. Uh, and we're just going to talk a bit about Mandy Fat, a bit about Mandy Fat football, as always. Indeed. Um, you, you did forget to ask me about my half marathon. No, it's on here. I am literally it looking at it right now. <laughs> so, in the last episode, we were talking about Roman doing a half marathon at Manchester. I did. It, yeah, um, it's the Manchester Half Marathon for, um, I did it with Ross. Um, Ross Hunter from Ross Hunter, episode one. Yeah, from OB City. Um, and I did it in two hours and seven minutes, which I was, aiming for, I was aiming for two hours thirty. Um, and I got two hours seven. So wow, quite it's a bit of a difference, isn't it? It is. Never done anything like that before. And do you know what? The biggest thing for me was that I didn't get out of breath. Um, I didn't. I didn't stop. I wasn't out of breath when I crossed the finish line, um, and that, I think that was the, 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 the most joyful thing I've got out of the day. Completely. Oof. Yeah. That's a cracking sign. It's a really good time. How How Thank were your you. legs the next day? Um, I prepared for the worst, and it was actually all right. They were a little stiff, but not as stiff as I thought they would be. Good. Good. Uh, some pictures. Some pictures. Doing the rounds on Facebook. It was. You looked pretty good, mate, if I'm honest, with your shades on. Thank you. Headphones in. They were on by default. I forgot to, as I was rushing to get the, put them in the bus, um, I forgot to take my sunglasses off and put them in the bag. And as I got to the start line, I was like, oh no. I'd just like to say that I had a family barbecue on Monday, just gone the bank holiday. And somebody was um, asking me about you. Asking me about the. Uh, obviously a half marathon and all the ladies were quite impressed with how you were looking now can I just say that so now I'm going red <laughs> you were the talk of the barbecue mate you were talking about well that and that's you know, an awesome thing. well obviously sure you get, to, you get to have some yoga with you actually well you know play cards right one day uh, a bit of man fat news okay a bit of a new segment to the podcast nice now we are official ish no, I think we are official. Yeah, okay, good. We've also, you'll notice, because you'll be able to hear, we have some amazing new equipment. We have some invested in some new equipment, which, um, yes, I, I, I think is quite clear now. Yeah, that's good. It's better than the uh, the other stuff there, which was a bit of a nightmare, but we muddled along with it anyway. We, we got there eventually. So we are modelling, me and you, non fat t-shirts. We are. For the first time ever, I've never had one on before. I've got a hoodie, but... Um, and these are fresh out the Manby Fat shot. Way, play, lose, win. Way, play, lose, win. That is the tagline. Nice. Yeah, they're really nice, yep. So, um, the Manby Fat shop is open on the site. You can go in there. Um, there's football kits on there, there's uh, accessories, the balls are on there, there's water bottles, there's some great t-shirts on there, pretty much anything you want. There's Go an on. awesome beanie, a grey beanie. Yeah. Uh, if anyone wants to send me a grey beanie that's in there, I think it would be perfect in winter. Been Fine. eyeing it up. 
Fantastic, fantastic. Get so, online and have a browse. Yeah, get some stuff because we, we want to spread the, spread the word, spread the good word about Manly Flat and I think brand new stuff is, is a good way to do that. Yeah, I think so. You, you do see, it's like people wearing the gym. I know there was that, um, the Gym King, I think the Gym King label, a guy made himself a t-shirt. Um, just to design himself a little logo, wore it in the gym. People were like, oh, where'd you get that from? Oh, I designed it. And then he got somebody like, oh, the only way is Essex to wear it. Next thing you know, overnight success. Yeah. So it's as simple as that. Someone spots it, likes it, wants to wear it, go from there. Some fantastic things in that shot, really. Is. We are up, we have, we're nearly at £100,000 lost. We are. We're like, what? Is it on 99 Something like, that. something like that. So that's coming, that's coming in the next month or so I would have thought, maybe even sooner. Um, and I know there'll be some, some special events that take place once that's done, there'll be some online things. Um, yeah, so that's something to celebrate, isn't it? That within a few years, Manly Fat has helped men lose that amount of weight. Yeah. It's incredible. When you think about it, I mean, it's, it is just amazing. And it's still, still in its infancy, really. Yeah, yeah. It impresses me. Every time I think about it, it, it just absolutely impresses me. And every time I talk about it, I find myself just confusing about how good it is for men to lose weight. Every time you talk about it, you do have a smile on your face. Yeah, I really do. Genuinely do. Genuinely do. So, yeah, so look out for that, guys. It, on the, the tick is on the website. That'll be ticking down or ticking up. For every pound lost, uh, and there'll be, some, there'll be some good things going on the website. We'll be talking about it. I'm sure Sean will be writing a few things, and other people contributing to be writing a few things about it. Massive achievement. Another thing that we want to talk about as well, uh, which begins the 11th of June, I believe, until the 17th, is Diabetes Awareness Week. Does that happen? Is that yeah, that's happening. So it's a, it's a UK-wide thing, um, and it's basically just making people aware that diabetes is it's a big drain on the NHS. I think it's an increasing illness that a lot of people have. Uh, 3.7 million people in the UK suffer from diabetes. Type I 1 and type 2. I see that first hand. My mum was type 1 diabetes. I think my dad's type 3. Um, I think he's a type 1, I didn't know the I think he's type 3. Um, <laughs> my mum's type 1, so she... Yeah, so your mum's medication? Yeah. Uh, your dad's... Um, I... I sound awful. I don't, I don't take much note of what my dad does. Right, okay. We care a lot about that. <laughs> that sounds awful to my dad now. Just... Oh, Carly, you're listening, so sorry. <laughs> no, dad, no, no. Um, <laughs> no, no, because he just... I, I, can see... I, think, I think his dad is, isn't he? He, he, yeah, he, he keeps... He, he has tablets. Um, daily, whether the diet tablets or whatever, or sorry, diabetes tablets or whatever. But I know my mum, I see her with a uh, pen. Yeah, she pops, okay. pops the pen, as it were. Uh, how do you think that affects your mum and dad's life? Um, well, I mean, I, 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 for, as, for, as to see it, I think it's they've got to. Uh, have a, like a regimented lifestyle in terms of you know the, the eating at certain times because of the, um, the hypos and things like that. So you kind of you've, you've got you, you kind of see the the it could be okay one minute and then because they have an hypo or whatever they'll just turn on the anger. 
the next, and it's right, yeah. where's this come from? Oh yes, I, I good sugar, okay. that was a low. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Mum has something to eat. <laughs> uh, so obese men are eighty times more, eighty times more likely to suffer from type two diabetes than women. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. So it's quite relevant to man v fat. Um, and you are also men are twice as likely to have type two rather than anyone. That is actually quite interesting. It is a big, a big, um, I think it's a big illness, a big, you know, it's something that affects a lot of people in the UK, a lot of people all over the world. And it is, a, is it a killer? Is it a killer? It can be, yeah, of course it can be, yeah. It can. I do know some, I do know some people who have, um, you know, um, have actually lost limbs due, due to, yeah, due to yeah. diabetes. And, you know. It's a lot, more than a killer, I think it's a life changer. It can, yeah. it can really change somebody's life. But it's not unheard of that diet and exercise can reverse it. I know there's a couple of, uh, we've been chatting to a couple of players, Salford, uh, one of the guys there, who's reversed diabetes through diet and exercise. Really? Yeah, yeah. which is amazing. Um, somebody who uh, will get on at a later date, I think, can talk, talk about that. I definitely want to hear that guy's story. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so yeah, if, if anyone's got any stories about how they reverse diabetes or how they live with it, feel free to um, email us, uh, drop us a line, Twitter, we are MVF Podcast, search us on Twitter, the email is stewmvfpodcast at icloud.com, drop us a line and, and we'll, uh, we'd like to hear from you and read your story. Please do, please yeah. do. So, Sven. You are here. We are in the uh, Lancashire Fold in Alkrington. Did I yep. say that right? You did. I have lived in Manchester all my life and I have never been to Alkrington. I didn't even know it existed. Neither, neither have I. This is a lovely JW Lee's pub. It's not just down the road from the brewery that we passed on the way in. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? So we'll talk about you then. Alright. So you are 28. I am. You are from uh, Melbourne, Australia. I am. Melbourne, Australia. Yes. You have been in the UK almost two years. Almost two years. Yeah. And you are a coach for Manly Fat. Yep. What leagues do you coach? I coach Manchester, Salford, and Rochdale. Manchester, Salford, and Rochdale. Yeah. So Manchester's been going, as we all know, Manchester's been going over a year. Yeah, about eighteen months. Salford. Uh, we're just about to start season three, so they started last September. Right. And Rochdale is five weeks in. Five weeks. How's yes. that? It's good. Um, it's a Sport England funded league. So, yeah, it's been really nice getting to know 40 new guys. So, you are you originally were a coach. Uh, you worked for the FA? Yeah, I worked for Manchester FA. Manchester yeah. FA. So, how did you end up in lovely Alkington talking to us from beautiful Australia? <laughs> um, well, yeah, as we mentioned, I moved to the UK almost two years ago, and um, I knew I was coming to live in Manchester. I, uh, I went via South America before I came to the UK to watch the Rio Olympics. Um, I had a friend competing and knew a few people that were going, and I'm also a bit of an Olympic nerd. So, um, yeah, that was sort of my treat before I moved to the UK. Uh, so while I was in South America, I was looking for jobs that were coming up and uh, position was advertised at Manchester FA, so I applied for it. 
got here on a Friday, interviewed for it the following Wednesday and had the job by the Friday. Wow. So I was pretty That's happy about that. <laughs> so do you come from a, a footballing background? I did not, no. Um, so most of my experience was actually in swimming. I'd worked in swimming for about 10 years at a club level, then a state level, then a national level. So I didn't have a lot of uh, football experience, but um, I was pretty confident I'd be able to get my head around it. <laughs> Coach is coaching. So your swimming background, and how long did you say you were coaching swimming for? I wasn't, I wasn't coaching it. Um, I was just involved with it. So my brother was an elite junior. He won national titles, about 50 state titles. He was um, quite good. So through him, obviously the swim club was like a huge part of our family's life. And so when I was 16, I joined the swim committee, like, you know, all normal teenagers do. Uh, and then, so I did that for a few years. I was in charge of all the club records and um, awards. So... Uh, my brother swam for a really big club. It's one of the biggest clubs in Australia. So they had people that would go off to like Olympic Games and World Championships and all that sort of stuff. So any famous names? Uh, in Australia, but probably not internationally. Um, so then from there, when I was 19, I got headhunted. Isn't really the right word, but I got approached by the state governing body um, if I wanted to become a state selector which pretty much meant that um, I was part of their high-performance selection team. So I did all the like funding for um, their high-performance programs. It was, it was quite an experience being like a teenager and sitting on committees and boards with Olympic-level coaches and athletes and having a say about how funding was distributed and what opportunities that we should be providing high-performance athletes. So that was really cool. And then from that... Um, after I finished university, I got offered a job at Swimming Australia, working in the facilities team, but um, we used to joke that my boss would just pimp me out all the time, so I got seconded to like every other department going, so I got to work with the participation team on a few of their projects, I did quite a bit of work with the high performance team, because obviously that was a bit of my background, so I did the same sort of thing, instead of, I was doing funding, um, for like national athletes, um, got asked if I could help out with the selection for the 2016 Olympic team. Uh, so yeah, pretty cool things like that. And I also worked in the events team, so all the national championships and international events. So um, I know this is a football folk podcast, but it's I don't not. Know. It's just, it's just <laughs> it is. Talk about yeah. anything you want to talk about. So, um, after the London Olympics, Michael Phelps retired from swimming and then about a year later decided that he would come back into swimming. And then just won everything again. He did. But his first event back was in Australia and I was that was my first event that I worked for Swimming Australia. So, they... That's, that's awesome <laughs> to on your CV. Yeah, it was cool. Although, the very first time I met Michael Phelps, I was eating a carrot. Ah, okay. Yeah, so... As you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, events... I've just got this, <laughs> I've just literally got this image of, of Bugs Bunny. Yeah, standing What's up, Doc? Yeah. What's up, Phelps? Don't mind me, just eating a carrot. It just, it Pretty re- much it, how it went. It, it reminded me of um, the scene out of um, Dirty Dancing, when Baby beats uh, Patrick Swayze for the first time, and she goes, who's this? I carried a watermelon. <laughs> I, like, I, was eating, eating a I was eating a carrot. Yeah, well, carrots are kind of like my event thing. So a lot of the events that I did, they would go for like several days. 
and every day like you're working 15 to 18 hours so they're really long days and at the end of the day you're sort of like yes like we've made it through another day but because you've got to back up the next day obviously you can't celebrate too hard um so my little in joke was that I would have a celebratory carrot so it wasn't the end of the day when I met Michael Phelps but I did just have a spare carrot going so as the US uh, swim team got off the bus which included like Missy Franklin who had just wiped the pool in London as well um, Nathan Adrian all the big names of the American team got off the bus which I didn't exactly know when the bus was coming and I was getting a bit peckish so I'd whipped my carrot out nibbling on that when all of the, the Americans cropped up. <laughs> I'm sure it really impressed her. <laughs> yeah. Who's this girl? Who's <laughs> carry it? Come on. We are the American swim team and you're just Hi guys. Gotta say they are really tall. I yeah. felt very, very small. <laughs> There's something got to be said about swimmers' bodies. There is. I'm, I'm crushing a bit, but like male swimmers' bodies as well. Yeah. Big shoulders, small waist. Well, my job at the event was I managed the control room, so all the radios throughout the venue came through me, and if there anything that needed to be actioned, it was my job to action. So it was me, my very first event, sitting in a room with um, like deputy commissioner of police. Uh, in Queensland, same with the fire brigade, head honchos of Gold Coast City Council. This is the venue they've just used for the Commonwealth Games as well. We were like the test trial event. And then the uh, event manager, whose CV is like phenomenal. She'd worked at the Beijing Olympics. She's managed Suncourt Stadium, which is one of the biggest stadiums in Australia. She'd done Asian Games and lived in the Middle East for like three years. And here's me being like, yeah, so good times. Um, yeah, but Ingrid was hilarious, the event manager, very professional woman. Um, but we obviously had like prime position to see the pool because we had to know if anything, anything was going on. And every time Nathan Adrian, who won the uh, 100 meter freestyle in, in London, walked past, it didn't matter what conversation she was in with you, she would just be like, I'm sorry, I just, I just need a moment. <laughs> So, you know, even the professionals get overwhelmed sometimes. I couldn't imagine that all of them are very distracting when you're trying to work. I, I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So, you've done that. You've, been, you've done some amazing things. You see, people look absolutely amazing. You came to Manchester. Yep. You worked for the Manchester FA. What did that entail? So, I was in charge of recreational football, which, the way I like to sum it up, is fun football. So the things that fell into my remit were anything that wasn't 11-11 on a weekend. So small-sided, uh, midweek football, maybe fat football as it turned out. Um, looking to provide opportunities for, for groups that wouldn't necessarily have opportunities to play football otherwise. So uh, we did some work with like homeless organisations, refugee organisations. I set up a... Um, a seven-a-side league for girls because, unfortunately, despite you know Manchester being a really big city, there actually aren't that many opportunities for girls to play recreational football. When I got here, there was one or two leagues that ran one night a week, which is just ridiculous, really, given the population, how limited opportunities are. Unless you want to play on a Sunday afternoon and. To be honest, I think that's a pretty intimidating environment if you haven't played football before. Because, you know, a lot of girls who play football have played for a lot of their lives. Um, yeah, so creating opportunities for people who didn't have opportunities to play football was something I really prioritised in my job. Wow. Yeah. I just want to talk about uh, walking football. Yes, you that was in that. part of my remit as well, yes. 
So, walking football, basically, for anybody who doesn't know what it is, it is? It is football at a slower pace. So, when it was created, the target market was over 50s, which it still is, um, but it's morphed into so much more. So, around Greater Manchester, there's around 70 walking football sessions taking place, which we're kind of like one of the epicenters nationally. There's more sessions in Greater Manchester than there are anywhere else in the UK. Um, and I think walking football has turned into something a lot more competitive than people ever, ever imagined it would be. So, um, although it was marketed over 50s in a lot of cases, what we've found now is that... Um, there's sort of like subcategories for over 60s and over 65s. There's a lot of competition that's targeted at that age group. Um, but for me, I also thought it was a really good opportunity for um, people who maybe couldn't play traditional football or traditional small sided football anymore. So whether they're coming back from an injury that meant they couldn't run around anymore or they didn't have the stamina, great opportunity. Um, I used to play a session at Platt Lane on a Monday and one of the guys that played there had cerebral palsy. So it was a really good opportunity for him to play with people who um, were moving at a similar sort of pace to he was and it also meant that you know we could give him time on the ball. We could you know have a bit of an exclusion zone being like you know you know you're going to give him two meters um, and you're going to give him a bit of extra time and it was perfect because it meant he wasn't just limited to playing disabled football either. He was playing with able-bodied people of all different ages and yeah I'm a big advocate for walking football and not just for the over 50s. I've seen a walking football game at um, Holdsworth, yeah. Life Leisure Holdsworth. I've been there a few times um, yeah. and I can honestly say I was only there for five minutes I was going to the gym and it is brutal. Yeah. Like seriously, these these guys who were a little bit older, and it was really competitive, and it really surprised me actually. Um, there was a lot of, I can imagine there's a little bit of cheating goes on as well because I'm, I'm pretty sure most of them weren't necessarily walking. They were They're race of, walking. What's the rule then for walking football? Yeah, it's it's the same as race walking. You've got to have one foot on the ground at, at oh, all times, right. or you know, at least part of your foot at all times. Oh. So like no overhead kicks. Then, no, oh. no overhead kicks. It's keeping the ball on the ground. Sixty-year-old doing overhead kick. That'd be impressive to see. Yeah, it would be. It would be. I uh, I wanted to try and get my dad into it, but he said, "Oh, I'll be too." You know, you know, you've met him. You know, it's like you know I'll be too good at that. I'll I'll play. I think, I think a lot of people have a perception that walking football is lesser football, yeah. but it's really not. It's it's almost like a version of the game in itself, um, and it's different skills because you have to be able to walk quickly without running, and yeah, it's it's a lot of like control within yourself, but it's also like the extra time on the ball. You need like accurate passing. Um, yeah, I really love it. I think it's great, and as I said, not just for over fifties, for a whole bunch of people. And, and it, it burns calories well. These guys, these guys were, you know, they were sweating. They yeah, were. I did a study while I was at Manchester. If I, I had got people to wear pedometers for a twelve-week period, and on average, I think people were doing like four thousand steps an hour playing walking football, wow. which is like pretty solid, Yeah, pretty solid pretty goalie, solid, yeah. especially for people who are a bit older. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So if somebody wanted to find out, uh, if somebody was listening to this, maybe um, 
maybe he's a player, man be fat football, and he maybe he knows somebody who would like to be interested in. Where would they where would they find out their closest league or uh, well they're in Greater Manchester. There is a list on Manchester FA's website. There is also a league that for over sixties and then another league for over sixty five that is based in Haywood. So that is run in conjunction with Lancashire FA. Um, and I think there might be some competitions run by Cheshire FA as well. I know that um, Maccabi in Presswich we're looking to start a over 50s league um, about at the moment as well. So yeah, plenty of opportunities. It's it's almost a bit like small sided now. There's so many options that for most people, probably within a 15 minute drive, you can find somewhere that plays football. football. Imagine like what you were saying there is it, it's kind of a game on its own. It's kind of its own game. Yeah. I can imagine from what from what I I saw, it was like it was as different from five aside or small sided games to what eleven aside is to five aside. Yep. It's another level again. Yep. Um, so yeah, so anybody who's interested, that's the place to go and find out. Yep, definitely. Man, be fat. Yes. How did you get involved? So when I took over uh, my role at Manchester FA, I was obviously given a big stack of everything that fell. Um, into my remit and Man V Fat was one of them. At the time, Man V Fat was not set up in Manchester and I remember reading it and asking my boss, you know, like, oh, what's this? And he was like, oh, it's like, it's a, it's a concept that we've been approached about but it hasn't really progressed any further at this stage. Okay, that's fine. About a month later, when I was, you know, a bit more settled into my role and knew what I was doing, I sort of looked at it again, went on the website, had a look through and I can't remember the timing exactly I don't know if I approached Shan or within like a couple of days of me looking it up, Shan was in contact and was like, oh, we're ready to start a league in, in Manchester. So I had also just been uh, engaged in conversation with Armitage Centre, which is the University of Manchester's sports facility. I knew that they had some new pitches that were being built and um, had potential opportunity for people to hire out the pitches. So I said to Shan, well, um, I've actually potentially just found a, a pitch. If you want to meet up, I'll, I'll take you to the University of Manchester and you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So at the time, the plan was that the University of Manchester would pretty much run the league. Um, we'd get a student to run it. Um, and get student referees and you know my job was to just help set the program up. Uh, didn't quite turn out like that. <laughs> um, so I met Shan completely being like alright yeah I'm happy to help. Um, you know here's all the contacts at the University of Manchester and a couple of days later he rang me and said oh would you mind running the league? And I was a bit surprised because I didn't really know that that was an option and I was like oh is there a reason that you want me to run the league he's like well I've met you and I'm, I'm really impressed by you so I'd really like you to run the league imagine you hear that a lot no <laughs> so in a way you were kind of um, press gangs yeah a little bit by Shan. a little bit yeah I guess you know I'd only been in I Manchester think he has, a couple I think he of has months yeah he does um, yeah, I'd only been in Manchester a couple of months and saw it as a bit of a new opportunity. My mother-in-law was less impressed when I told her what I was going to do. She was a bit worried about me with 80 men. I uh, didn't really understand how that was going to work, but I reassured her I'd be able to handle myself. <laughs> and you do it quite well. Thank you. Handle yourself quite well. <laughs> and now that's, that's more than 80 men. That's Yeah, it's like closer to 200. Closer to 200 men. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... 
day one, what did you think at that, that first Manchester, the first meeting? I know we've had some interesting stories about smell in the room uh, previously. And I'll always mention on this. Uh, obviously, you'd put a lot of work in to get it to that point. Recruitment-wise, obviously, you had the guys there who watched you play. Yeah. Were you kind of, was it a bit like the blind leading the blind or? It was a little bit. So I'd had some training a few weeks previous with uh, the manager who goes around and trains up all the coaches. So I'd, I'd had that training and I don't know whether it was extra pressure or a blessing, but Shan had told me that he decided to join Man V Fat Football and he'd be playing in my league. So great, you've got the big boss looking over your shoulder from day one, fantastic. But no, it was really helpful because it did give me like confidence if I had any questions to ask that I did sort of know management, so I didn't feel uncomfortable approaching them if I did ever have an issue. Um, what do I remember from that first day? I remember putting up the signs everywhere so people knew where to go and putting up the team sheets and um, asking everyone to put their phone numbers down so we could add everyone to the WhatsApp group and I had a big book full of notes about everything I needed to remember and um, yeah I think it went alright. Yeah. Yeah. Quite smoothly. Yeah. And now that, that you must be just a second hand it like, like we know when you obviously came to do Rochdale that must have been like no problem, been here before. Yeah, you, you do like get a bit more confident each time. Although I had um, Salford season three registration last night, and Salford season two, after I left that session, I was like, I absolutely nailed that. Like that was the best registration I've ever done. And then yesterday, I came away being like, yeah, not the best one I've ever done. <laughs> it should get easier. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah, it was alright. So you mentioned the WhatsApp groups there. Now, I think alone you should be given an absolute medal for being in as many WhatsApp groups as you are. Because yeah. obviously, we're in our team WhatsApp group, uh, we're in the, the Manchester League WhatsApp group. I think, I'm not in a captain group, you're in a captain group, but I imagine that, again, you could end up being in about five groups as a player. Yeah. How hard is it? How do you do it? Yeah. How Your phone, you like, it? seriously must be pinging constantly. I wouldn't say I'm a technophobe, but I'm definitely not tech forward. So you've probably seen my Nokia phone. That is my full-time phone, and I've always had a Nokia. I've never had a smartphone. But obviously, like Shan and Terry mentioned when I did the training, like, oh, we've got WhatsApp. And I was like, oh, God, like, how am I going to access this? Can I download it onto my tablet? Like, I don't know. And um, luckily, we found, like, a spare phone in the house doesn't have a sim in it still doesn't have a sim in it so I can't make a call from it I can only access it via internet um, and that is how I how I keep up to date with whatsapp but yeah if I don't turn that on for a day there can easily be 3,000 messages on it Honestly. Yeah. Do, you, do you have certain times of the day when you just go oh it's, it's time to <laughs> to log in or is it kind of just no, constant it's, it's constant really and to be honest like a lot of it I don't necessarily have to read but you sort of, you do end up reading a lot of it. Sometimes if I log on and like one group has 250 messages, I'm like, I'm just going to skim bottom. this. <laughs> I, think, I think every day we need a, we need a spend summary, don't we? Well, missed, you, okay, you've missed this and you've filtered out all the uh, Let me tell you, you've not missed anything. <laughs> yeah. Because, for the one of a better word, there's a lot of shit gets taught to me in WhatsApp. You can't say that shit. <laughs> you know, 
sometimes even I'm like, oh, guys, <laughs> if I see another picture of somebody's lunch. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> At least it's only lunch. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure there is, there are, there is issues. Once, once you see some things, you can't unsee things. <laughs> yeah, but also what you've got to do as a player is you set up a WhatsApp group that's not got something in it, and then anything that you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of groups without me in it. Yeah. We haven't got one, though, have we? And if you haven't, guys, please set one up. <laughs> Just give her, give the girl a Just break. Give, yeah, give, give her some rest. When the uh, Manchester's first kicked off, obviously yep. it, you were new to it. Everybody there was new to it. It was only Shan who knew what he was doing, and he was playing in the league. Yeah. Um, what was your biggest surprise? Um, probably the WhatsApps. <laughs> Just the, the the volume for someone who had never had a phone that I that you know was really used very often, just suddenly coming home and being like, oh, I can't believe it. At that stage, you know, some days it was only like, oh, I've got a hundred messages, and I was like, this is completely overwhelming. Now I'm like, oh, I only got a hundred, like pretty. Not, not quite a day. Yeah. <laughs> not realising it, looking at your phone, going, my, my battery doesn't last very long. Yeah, yeah exactly. Strange battery. I actually think. Physically, I feel worse having had a smartphone now, or not even a proper smartphone, just like a phone that is a, has smart technology on it, because you just look at it so much more, and it's so bad for you. Yeah, it's not great, is it? No. I might get myself a Nokia. I still yeah. didn't even still sell Nokias. Yeah, well, this, this Nokia that I have, as you'll see, it's pretty snazzy. It um, has Spend a slide... Spend just on the table. <laughs> it's got a slide uh, screen. My one in Australia... Slider. Does not even have that. Has it got an aerial? Almost. It doesn't have any numbers left on it because obviously over the you know 15 years I've had it, they've all worn away. It's black and white. This one's colour, so I've really gone up in the world since moving to the UK. Wow. Yeah. I think Charlie fucking had it right when he called it the show Black Mirror. Yeah. The new technology, isn't it? Get back to the old Nokia bricks. They brought out a 3210. Nah, I don't know. I don't know. Don't want to. Talk about Nokia phones in your own. I know you. I know you love. If you're like the opposite of Sven, because you love your tech. Like we arrived and we've all got. Obviously, we we're using new equipment as we discussed before. And Roman was basically giving us a step-by-step um, procedure of how the new equipment was going to work. And me and Sven were looking at each other <laughs> to say, "What are you talking about, bro?" I just hope it sounds okay for the podcast. And, uh, <laughs> anyone wants to comment on the sound and the quality, please do. Manchester season one. How yeah. do you think it went? I think it went pretty well. It was a learning experience for everyone, but I'd say on the whole, people had a pretty positive experience. We didn't have a lot of people who didn't stay on for season two. Like, we've had a lot of people who have retained. So, I think even now, at least a third of the league is still original players. So, obviously, people are having a good time and still see the benefit of it. If 18 months down the line, they're still really happy to be involved. Brilliant. How do you think it's evolved over them? I mean, we're in season what? The end of season four now? I think it's evolved yeah. from season one. Can you see anything that really sticks out that's changed or, you know? Well, similarly to what you were saying about walking football, the competitiveness, um, I think that's, yeah, it's, it's definitely more competitive and people are a lot more able at football. So it's been really interesting sort of launching Manchester, then six months later doing Salford, then six months after that doing Rochdale, because you sort of see the different the different um, abilities of the players, the different ways that they react to playing football, and then how they progress from being, you know, at the start, people are really tired after that 30 minutes, and then you sort of get 
halfway through season one or to the end of season one and everyone's just like, oh, it's only 30 minutes. Um, so it's really nice to be reminded that, you know, 30 minutes is a challenge for a lot of people at the start. And I know there's a lot of whinging about why can't we have longer games? Why do we have such big squads? Um, but I think everyone's sort of got to keep in mind what Man Fat was is about and who it was created for. It's not created necessarily for people who have a really high fitness level, you know, uh, a high to average fitness level. It's created for people who maybe haven't done anything for a long time and are looking to get back involved um, in football. So I think that's really good. I remember when we ran the tournament at the end of season one and we played, I think they're like eight minute matches or 10 minute matches and they were pretty much back to back for two hours. And I remember one of the players saying, I'm so glad we're running this now and not at the start of season one. They're like, There's no way we could have got through this 14, 15 weeks ago. Like, I'm tired now. Yeah. I couldn't have I couldn't have moved if you tried to run this then. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it is very evident uh, fitness levels of, of, of players has definitely improved. Yeah. As, especially as you lose weight as well, which will always help. Yeah. And they play more football. But the yeah. more you play, the more weight you lose, the better you get. Yeah. Nice to see. Definitely. A lot more competitive. Way more competitive. <laughs> I think also, how do you think? Because you're obviously you're you're the you know you, you're in all the WhatsApp groups. Yeah. How do you think the scales has changed? How do you think? I think personally, from our team's point of view, is we realise pretty quickly that the league isn't actually won on the pitch. The league yeah. is won on the scales. Yeah. Do you think the competitiveness of getting on the scales and losing weight has increased? Do you think people, because obviously you're seeing Rochdale, which is a, which is a quite a new league, yeah. would you say it's clicked with them that all them, the scales are where it really matters to, to put the points on the board? Yeah, so Rochdale, it's, it's in like a really interesting phase at the minute because everyone is new to it. We've got like four players who have come across from Salford, but everyone else hasn't played Man B Fat football before. So I've sort of got a lot of people who... Even though compared to Manchester and Salford, I would say Rochdale is not as competitive um, yet. But there's people saying, oh, I didn't realise it would be such competitive football. You know, I, I came more for a laugh and, and that side of things. Um, but I think, yeah, I've tried to reiterate that. Every, every time that I start a new season, I always say, you know, it's really clear that you're not going to win this league if, if your team doesn't perform on the scales. And I would say that's been evident at... Salford more than anywhere else so far. So um, Black Forest, Fato have won both seasons. Best name ever. <laughs> Best name ever. They've won both seasons um, at Salford. This season I think they came third or fourth on the pitch table and they were similar in season one but they've absolutely bossed it on the scales and that's how they won. I was just telling the guys earlier the story about how they won season two. An epic tale of food poisoning, ten percent coming out of nowhere, and yeah. um, De deliberate snatching food the lead. poisoning. Maybe. <laughs> sounds like a rock, contentious. Sounds like a rock film, isn't it? It's amazing though that the, 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 the season could unfold in such a way yep. that, it's, that it's literally won by losing weight on the last game of the season, losing weight on that scale. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's how, and I think that's not something you've been involved with. I think. It's hard to, to picture how the, what is essentially a weight loss group for men yeah. has become this thing that's so much more. Yeah. Um, I think also, 
what I what I noticed as well is I necessarily wasn't wouldn't say I was a competitive person yeah. when I first started, yeah. and now the competitive streak in me is like, where's this come from? Yeah. As you're losing weight, as you as you scoring goals, playing well on the pitch, I think it ignites something in a lot of people, particularly guys who've probably been a little bit bigger and you know. Yeah, well, so many people who join Man Fat say, oh, I haven't played in five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years. And so it gives them an opportunity to, to be involved in something that, you know, they probably really enjoyed in, in time gone by and they never thought they'd do again. So I think sometimes that's where the competitiveness comes from. Um, but, you know, I like to always try and bring it back to you. Remember, you're here to, like, you're here to lose weight and, you know, support each other as a team and that's important thing so you know I always try and do a little write-up highlighting people who get their five and ten percent the the pitch scores are important and I know that people you know do care about them but at the end of the day no one knows the result until we've added the scales so you know that's the suspense element yeah. that's the best bit yeah it is it is if, if somebody somebody listening um, I'm sure you get asked What's the most asked question that you get asked for new players joining Man Um, Sometimes it's to do with like how does the scoring work? So obviously the half a goal for losing weight, for, for the hat tricks, for the 5%, for the 10%. And then I always put it in the end, and if you go over this starting weight that you've got, your team's going to get deducted a goal. And like the shock on people's faces being like, what? Um, but, you know, I also hope that that's not overwhelming for people because I do get feedback sometimes that people then become a bit fixated on, oh, I'm so scared about going over my start weight that it then brings on a whole lot of anxieties and they do end up going over their start weight. So, um, yeah. I think as the season progresses, once you get halfway through the season, that you're becomes right. such a distant thing exactly. that you're okay anyway. Exactly. Maybe the first few weeks. Yeah. What, what advice would you give to new players? new players I would just say give it a go you've got nothing to lose um, you've got people who are trying to achieve the same things that you're trying to achieve and I think that's what makes Man V Fat work so well is that most people are in the same situation most people don't know anyone else just like just like you probably don't um, and the camaraderie is probably what what keeps people focused so it's really hard to lose weight on your own or do anything on your own, really. Like, speaking from experience as someone who's moved to the, a part of the world where they didn't know anyone. Um, you know, I had grand visions of joining basketball teams and netball teams and everything when I moved here. Fortunately, that hasn't happened. I've got no free nights for the man be fat. <laughs> but it is really hard to, to make friends and find people who are trying to achieve the same things that you are. So I think Man B Fat is really great in creating an environment, that sort of environment for people. Amazing. What, what, what would you say about, I know we get asked a lot of questions, uh, I give it the hard sell to a lot of people I know. Um, do you, Stuart? Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> do, this, do this league, do this league, it's amazing, amazing, it's change your life, it's change your life. And everyone's like, yeah, alright, she's slightly sounding me on voice. Um, but, but maintenance, yep. because I get asked a lot, well, what happens when you reach your goal? So when somebody reaches their target goal, mm -hmm. how does the maintenance program work so that they can, they can continue to play in the league? So I think when it comes to maintenance, there's, there's a couple of ways to interpret a maintenance. So there is getting your BMI under 25, which is sort of like maintenance on the man fat system, so to speak. So from that point of view, 
as long as you stay BMI under 25, you get the same points as if you lose weight every week. Even if, say, you put on 200 grams, you're actually getting a, a loss. For other people, their aim might not be to get to a BMI of 25, but they might just want to stay around the same sort of weight. So I've got a few players like that in Manchester especially. And I think what happens with them is, I think teams more or less just accept when people have sort of hit the point where their body is is happy and so it might be that one week they put on and so you don't get a point but you know then they'll lose that weight the following week and go back down so I think it just all balances out arguably they're maybe like the fitter players anyway so you know they're getting a bit of extra out of them on the pitch and also I think they're, they're good as like inspiration so you've got people like Josh who I know you spoke to so Josh, he hasn't hit a BMI under 25 yet, but obviously we all know that Josh has lost a stack of weight. Yeah. He's looking fantastic, and for Josh's height, you know, he doesn't want to lose the extra 10 kilos necessarily that his BMI says he's healthy because he's looking really good. So I think for Josh and his teammates and people who are in a similar situation, you just you sort of just accept when people have hit that, and that as a team, you know, some weeks they're going to score points for you and some weeks they're not. So, if you get down to that weight, you can continue in the league. Yeah. It's not an issue. It's open for anyone. You can, as, once you're part of Man Fat, you, you're in for life. It's hard. I think it is. <laughs> I, I know, obviously, uh, Rob yep. hit, hit his, his, his BMI. Um, and Rob is the kind of guy um, who, you know, what a gentleman. Such and he's, gentleman. He, Yeah, and he Such said, like, I feel as though I'm taking up somebody's place in Man Fat. So he, he said, I, I don't want to do it anymore. But we kept him in. He still plays the extra games with, with the lads. And I think he got to a point as well where he was like, ah, I'm really missing it. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, 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 if Rob came back maybe next season. Maybe not even for our team, maybe even play for another team. But Yeah, and just try and maintain. Because it does get older. I think it does get a grip of you. But maintenance is so much, like, it's just as important as weight loss. Maintenance is the it's harder, harder, harder hard, bit yeah. of the story. Yeah. yeah. Just um, a little opinion. Um, I was reading something today about um, probably been reading it every day. Uh, obesity crisis in the UK. Sure. As somebody who's helped countless men now, yeah. in the past, you know, two years, uh, lose weight. What advice would you do? Would you give to somebody who's maybe a parent who's a little bit concerned about child's weight and they want to try and become a bit more active? Maybe as a family, um, try and getting the kids out and, 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 and playing and sports and stuff like that. Could you give any advice? What would you say to somebody like that who is struggling to know what to do with kids? Okay, so what I'd say is the reason that I decided to become involved in Man Fat is actually really to do with families. Um, I'm really close to my family, which might sound strange living on the other side of the world to them, but they were like a huge motivation of why I said yes to the role. So... Both my parents now are overweight, um, and my dad's been really overweight for a long time. But I know when I was born, dad was about 30, and let's say in the 30 years since then, that's when dad's put on all of his weight. He didn't have a BMI over 25 before I was born, so, you know, obviously I'm a bad influence on him. But um, I think that happens to a lot, of, a lot of parents, and what I would say, um, not necessarily about kids, but about parents is I look at my dad and in the 30 years since I was born dad's probably put on like 
let's say 45 kilos, which only equates to a kilo and a half a year, which is really simple to do. It's like 120 grams a month. That's nothing. But if you, like, if that happens over a sustained period of time, like it has with my dad, um, that's what happens. You end up that, that overweight. And, um... I think it's just really highlighted to me the the sort of life spectrum of, of being overweight or the opportunity to get, to get overweight. Um, they say that people who have obese parents are more likely to have overweight kids, which I think is true and not true. Like I, although I've said my parents were overweight, I don't think they necessarily fat, fed my brother and I a, a poor diet. It was the opposite, really. Um, but I think it, it's finding something for your kids that they enjoy doing. We were really lucky that we were both pretty active kids. Like I said, my brother was an elite athlete um, from a really young age. He won, you know, national titles in two sports. So I think we always had that sort of influence. My parents did still live active lives, even though, you know, they, they did get heavier as they got older. So I think, I don't know, it's just making sure that the kids get out and about. Actually, one of the reasons I love living in Elkington is... Um, people have backyards and we have two little kids that live next door to us one's seven and one is ten and it like it makes me so happy when I hear them in the backyard all the time and the same thing on the other side they've got grandchildren who every school holidays they come up to Manchester and um, stay with their grandparents and this week it's been so great the weather's been good and those kids I swear have been bouncing on the trampoline from nine o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night but I think it's fantastic that they're out there. How do you think that differs? Because obviously, um, back home, yep. uh, you know, you people, I think, I wouldn't say people are more active, but it, you have more opportunities to get out yep. because it doesn't rain all the time yep. like it does in Manchester yep. or, you know, it does in England. Um, how would you say that influences? Would you say that, that, that people are more active in Australia? Well, if you look at obesity rates, they're actually pretty similar. So, are they? Yeah, they're really similar. It's like, you know, less than 5% in it. It's, it's not a, a huge difference. I think it's just everyone's lifestyle in general has, has changed. You know, with like we were talking about before, people have devices now. So, you, you sit on your phone for hours or you sit at a screen for hours. People don't have as active jobs as they used to. People travel further to get to work. Um, I think advice that I give to people and something that I try to live by is to integrate um, exercise into your life. So um, when I was working at the FA, any time that I could, I would get the bus to work. Now that was the slower option for sure, but that meant that I would walk from Fellafield into Piccadilly Gardens, which was a, you know, a half an hour walk every day, and that was probably the difference between my commute. So one, I didn't have to sit in traffic like furious in my car but two I, I integrated exercise into my everyday and I was still getting to A to B um, which I think is for me the best way to do it small steps yeah small steps kind of impressed sorry I'm impressed in terms of the, uh, the fact about Australia because when, when I was in Australia this time last year I was in Australia and what I really liked about Australia is I was staying with a family uh, and on a Saturday morning they took their early morning, 8 o'clock, um, they took their kids to football, yep. uh, sorry, soccer over there, 
uh, and, uh, football. and then uh, football. Yeah, I thought you were talking about ASL. We're in, uh, we're in a pub in, in and rugby. <laughs> we're in a pub in Alkington. So it's yes, football. <laughs> so and and they they then took them to um, the rugby practice. Um, and as we, because I didn't realise this, I was just like, oh, we're good, you know, as you would take your, ch- your children and your little lads to football practice. So as we're driving, um, a 15 minute drive, we must have passed about four or five different fields. Every field at that time in the morning was full. And I was like, why, why is it so full? He says, because every school kid has an extra a curricular, um, they've got to do a, um, yeah. a sport event in the morning. I'd love, I would generally love to adopt that into the UK because yeah. no matter it's lacrosse rugby um, uh, football Aussie um, rules Aussie rules um, how hockey how the kids? Um, so the kids were I think they were around um, six and eight so um, but one of them the youngest one was really good yeah. like, and the, for the oldest one when we were playing rugby he scored the final the final try and it was like it was like amazing time for the little kid um but yeah, it was, it, was just, it was just brilliant to see. I, I would generally love to see, a, you know, I say a forced day, but a, a, structure, a structural day where we have a morning of that from 8 o'clock in the morning until maybe 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, three hours, kids um, will go and do the sports clubs. Um, you still got the rest of your day to, to, to provide with families or parents can go shopping while, that, while that's kind of cracking on. I know when I was a kid, and I have read about it taking place over here as well, we... Um, once a week, we had to run laps of the school for 30 minutes. So around our primary school, it was how many laps you could get in before. So here, I know it's like a mile a day, I think it's called. That kids walk a mile sort of first thing in the morning when they start school. And that's how they like start their school day. So it's, it's again, integrating a bit of exercise into, into the, the classroom. So we used to get, you had to tell the teacher at the end how many laps of the school you'd done and they would keep on collating that data and then you'd get like a 5k certificate and a 10k and a 25 etc some people got to like 120 for the year um so you know be at the front of school assembly being like you got your 5k award this time from how yeah yeah i think things like that uh, do make a, a difference and I, I, and I do think that there is a tide of change i do think that we realize that we have this uh, I don't really want to call it an epidemic, but we do have a problem with obesity. Uh, childhood obesity is, is is an issue as well, and I think that I think that there is a tiny change. I think that people do realise that the kids do need to be active. Get them off the computer. Get you know at least one day a week. Yeah. Um, but the government and the, and the schools also need to, to to participate in that. I know that when I was in um, primary school, we didn't do any sport. No. Didn't do any sport, and I'm talking like the 80s, late 80s. Very rarely did anything. We did a bit of football, but nothing like what we should be doing. Um, so yeah, I think. I think, I think too often PE is like the first thing that gets cut. If if there's time constraint, it's like oh well, that doesn't really. We can get yeah. rid of that one. It's, we've got something more important to do. Yeah, yeah. I think it, and I think it is important. So you know, physically, mentally as well, to these yeah. kids who have a lot of pressures on them today that maybe we didn't have when we were younger. Uh, I want to just touch on St George's Park because the closing date was um, yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, so if you've not registered, unfortunately, you won't be going to St George's Park. The draws are taking place on YouTube. I think they're going to start start of June. Yeah, sort of um, next week, I think. So you were at St George's Park. This is for your third time. 
I didn't. I wasn't actually able to go to the first tournament. Ah, okay. I was away that weekend, but I was at the previous so, one. So, the previous one. How did you find it? Had you, had you been to St George's Park before then? I had been with work, um, so yeah, I had been to the facility. But no, I thought it was a really good day. Um, it was great to see people from all around the country. It was great to talk to people from different leagues and um, hear their stories and see their successes. So yeah, I thought it was a really enjoyable experience. I think it's quite important as well that, you, that for Man v Fat to, um, to have these goals to achieve, you know. Yep. Obviously, we've talked to, recently, we've talked quite a lot about on the podcast about St George's Park and, and both me and Roman went last time and we both enjoyed that and it was it was an eye-opener, wasn't it? It was, I think, yeah, certainly. Uh, and we will be there again doing a podcast and we, we keep saying, we anyone wants to come and speak to us, we'll have a little corner hopefully somewhere. Uh, but we'll also be wandering around talking to people impromptu, on the day. Impromptu conversations. Impromptu conversations. Anybody wants to come and see us, come and find us, we will be there. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm looking forward I, to it. I reckon we'll have to get a timetable and book people in. I think we'll be that, that one. That popular? Day. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, hopefully. So what does the future hold, Sven? The future, well, the immediate future is we've just started season three of Men uh, Fat Salford. We are, as I mentioned, five weeks into Man v Fat Rochdale, and we have two weeks left of season four of Man v Fat Manchester, so launching the new season there on the 8th of, 18th of June. So, yeah, got three new seasons popping up there. Um, sadly, each of those seasons will be my last as a Man v Fat coach for now, as I am heading back home to Australia. Such a shame. Do you think you're going to stay in football or are you going to stay in kind of, obviously I'm sure you'll stay in sport, but when you go home, is that the kind of employment you're going to be looking for? Um, yeah, definitely keen to stay in sport. What that sport is, I, I don't know at the moment. It may be football, it may be, may be something different. Maybe back to swimming? Maybe. Um, I've really enjoyed my time in swimming, but I don't think I'll be heading back there unless an amazing opportunity comes up. Um, I'm ready to like explore different things. I think I've got a lot of a lot of experience and knowledge to share around. <laughs> yeah. Definitely Man V Fat's been a learning experience. Man V Fat Australia, I think you've I think uh, Sham said that he'd air march you for an Australian league when uh, you go home. Yeah. We'll that, see. That, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah. I, I, I know nothing. Head head of Man V Fat Australia. Yeah. They're starting it on the opposite side of the country to where I live, so I've got to wait for it to expand. East but you coast. are that expansion. <laughs> you are. I would love to stay involved with Man V Fat Football, and I would love that when I come back to Manchester to get back involved with Man V Fat Football. We'll just have to see what what yeah. happens. I'm sure you will. I'm sure the new coach will be even better than me, and I'll never be able to get back in. <laughs> Plus, you guys will all be skinny, and yeah. I'll, I'll get a whole new bunch of guys. Yeah. Plus, as well, you're gonna have to continue to uh, looking for our podcast. I will. I will. I actually. So I've I booked my ticket yesterday to go home. So it's only just become a reality. So it's cemented um, now. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, technically, I haven't booked a bit to Australia. I'm of course going on a holiday before. Not obviously. <laughs> it's a priority. <laughs> Where are you going via? Um. Via Berlin, Singapore, and Japan. Amazing. Yes. So, looking forward to that. Um, sorry. 
Uh, yeah, so that will be that will be good. Yeah. Good. Touch with sadness, but at the same time, new opportunities. Yeah, the opportunities there. Oh, what I was going to say was what I'm actually looking forward to leaving the most is you guys. Is my man big fat guys like? Unfortunately, my my partner is not coming back to Australia with me. He's English. He's staying here. But I think right now, what I'm struggling to get my head around the most is not being part of the leagues. Um, yeah, will you continue in the WhatsApp groups? I don't know. I don't know if people will still want me there. Stu, she's going to be reading that at 4 o'clock in the morning with time difference. Sticks here and knock it. So, what... Obviously... You've talked about missing us guys when you go back to us. What yep. won't you miss about the UK? Oh, about the UK? Um, the amount of daylight in winter. That's a bit... I'm loving it at the minute, this, like, 4am till 10pm sun. This is that. rare, though. Like, this is a hot <laughs> day. This is really rare. We've not seen a summer like this for a long time. You know, the thing is, though, when I was in Australia, I was in the winter. This, this is the winter. <laughs> it's crazy. It's to be fair, I spoke to a couple of friends this morning and they said it was only three degrees in Melbourne today. So. Oh, we can relate to that. We're winning. <laughs> We're winning. What do you miss now most about us? What are you looking forward to getting back to? My friends and family, really. Yeah. Like, yeah, I said I'm a pretty family oriented person, so it's the people I'm looking forward to seeing. What don't you miss about us? What don't I miss? Um. Oh, look, I, I really loved where, where I'm from, so I, I wouldn't say that I, I have a lot of negatives to speak about it. Being over here has been amazing, and I definitely plan on coming back. But, you know, Melbourne got voted most livable city in the world seven years in a row. Did you, so where did you go to Melbourne? I did go to Melbourne. What did you think of I loved it. I actually preferred it. I know I'm probably going to upset a few people. I preferred it to Sydney. Really? I did. I don't know whether our uh, listenership is quite as international as that. It may be one day, maybe one day, but... Once you've taken it to Australia, everyone will be listening at yeah. past podcasts. I, I just found it to be Manchester. Was yeah. It really? I found Sid- Sydney was London. Yeah, it is. Manchester is Melbourne. Yeah. It is... The cooler, smaller little room. Do you know what I love? cooler. You know what I, lo- I did, yeah. yeah. You know what I loved about Melbourne was I was walking down the street and I did them all, like walking tours. And there was a, a busker yeah. who was just on the street, and the, the tour guy turned to us and says, "You know the busker there?" I says, "Yeah." So what they actually do in Melbourne, you've got to audition. You do, yes, to, you do. To busk. <laughs> so, so basically, you're getting the creme de la creme of buskers. How good is that? You have yeah, to have a license. it's amazing. You have to really? like audition at council. So you have to be good. So you can't just be like, "I'm going to go busking." And exactly. I can't sing and you can't play guitar. And they were yeah. really good as well. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is impressive. Uh, it was, and yeah, it's when uh, Kelly got hung. So yeah. yeah. Less impressive. Another fact to be in. When, when say Aussie rules football, did not understand that oh, at you'll all. You have to come back and I'll give you a rundown. Yeah. Uh, two two guys. Just there for the hits, alright. Yeah, two guys behind me were just talking like tactics, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Croggy, yeah, when I said back, running back, I was like, yeah, what? Don't I, do I, don't, I don't. I'm do trying to cut that one out. It's a great game. Yeah. It's like rugby on like... Stick to cricket. <laughs> did you go to the MCG? I did, yeah. That's yeah. where I watched it, yeah. yeah. That's a lovely ground, though. Yeah, it's a really yeah, nice ground, venue. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, they're kind of jealous. No, it's beautiful. Melbourne was fantastic. It really was. Incredible. So, what's your... Health, I know you're a big uh, healthy eater. What's your healthy go-to meal? 
Apart from the carrot. Apart from the carrot. I don't have a go-to meal, so I think maybe my strength is I'm good at conjuring something from nothing. So I know you guys are big into your meal prep, and I love that. I'm, I'm a little bit similar, but what I do is I go to the shops, um, and I will buy a whole bunch of stuff that I know I can make things with. And then my challenge for the week is that I have nothing left for the next shop. I have to use every vegetable I buy. Yeah. That's borderline superpower, that is. And do you know what? Well, actually, something. this is a bugbear of mine. When people say that healthy eating is expensive. So I buy for two people. There's two people that live in my house. And I, on average, spend 27 pounds a week on food. And what? that covers... Every single meal and every single snack in our household. Um, I'm pretty much the same budget as that. My mum can't, yeah, yeah. my mum cannot wreck her head round. Why I don't spend it because of plumber meals. Yeah. But also, mum, I don't go in there and go, well, oh, that's on offer, isn't it? I'm yeah. going to, I'll have one of those. I thought I was doing well with like 50 quid for two of us. Yeah, but that's for two of you, I'm just me. Yeah. So it equates really to this. We don't have a lot of wages because of, of meal plan. Yeah. But it's a good way of doing it. What's your go-to unhealthy meal? Go when to. you're like, I want something but really unhealthy, it's going to satisfy my soul. You know what? I don't know. To be honest, I haven't eaten a lot of junk food since I moved to the UK. We moved into our house a year ago next week and we have not had a single takeaway since we've moved in. I've, I've eaten out not at restaurants. Not even movie weekend. Pardon? No. No. No, that's good. It is possible, ladies and gentlemen, we're here in this space <laughs> that you can do this. So when you go to the restaurant, what, what's your go-to meal? Are you, are you pasta? Are you like I always go for something that I wouldn't cook at home. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, so whatever's on the menu that, uh, that, yeah, I wouldn't normally cook. I'd also say something I didn't really pick up on how I cook, but it's been pointed out to me by Dan's family, is that I usually make the vegetable the star ingredient rather than the meat or the protein. That's for me, I don't know why, it just always is my starting point. Like that's not to say we always eat vegetarian, but the vegetable component is probably more important to the meal than the It's an impressive way of doing it. That's probably why you're only spending 27 pounds a week as well. Yeah. Because you're less protein. I'm actually doing a uh, veggie week next week. Oh yeah. I am. I've been to do a shop today. Um, and yeah, I'm going to try it. I was thinking I'd just, just to do the last week of uh, Yeah, no, nothing, nothing works, but I just want to try it. I know Ben, Ben Meek, uh, has done a month. And if you know Ben, the guy <laughs> likes his, his, his meat. Was, was that May? Was that, was that yeah, he's just finished it. He's just finished it. So they're having a steak tonight. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, know he's, I know he's not on holiday in Wales, so he'll be like, I don't know, I want the meat tonight. I'll be a nice bit of Welsh lamb, that's what I'll be eating. Yeah, yeah. That's the best film of all time. You know, I'm not a huge movie buff, but my favourite films are Lethal Weapon. Ah, Mel Gibson. <laughs> Good. Is that a little Australian connection there going there? No, no, no. Nothing to do with Mel Gibson. Um, it's either the Lethal Weapon films or Remember the Titans. Oh my God, like you're the only person who I've ever known to, to, to like that film. What a great film. It's a great film. It's a great film. I was like, oh, do you ever see this film? Does Washington really tell him? No. Anything with Denzel film. Washington is yeah, like, going to be good. Never, <laughs> even if it's a bad film, he's always the best thing in that film. Yeah. 
What's the greatest song of all time? It's also really tricky. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of Queen, because Dad really loves Queen. So, possibly a Queen track? I don't know, that's, that's a really tricky question. We'll come question. back to it, yeah. we will come back to that one. If you could meet one, um, well, I don't want to use the word celebrity, one famous person, whether it be a politician, a sports person, an actor, a singer, musician, who would it be? Um, who would it be? Not Michael Phelps, because obviously that's already happened. Yeah, it's already ticked that one off. Um, do you know what? It's really bad. I can't remember her name, but there's it's an Australian lady, and... She's sort of famous because she's got an inspirational story. She was doing a an ultra marathon, one of those ones where you run through the desert and it's just like ridiculous conditions. And pretty much the event organisers got it really wrong and they ran the event on a day where the weather was horrible and there ended up being a huge bushfire that swept through the event and she was severely burnt. Like, she was on life support sort of thing, didn't know if she'd make it and she has burns to like 60 or 80% of her body or something, but... She has, like, she survived, and, um, yeah, she, she just has, like, this amazing story and this amazing positive attitude um, about how she's just, you know, continued to live her, live her life. So I think if I could spend some time with her, hearing about how she done, she's, she's done, like, marathons and big runs and everything since, despite the horrific injuries that she's suffered. So, yeah, I'd really be interested to, to hear how she's kept such Sounds a positive, yeah. positive outlook on life. Yeah. Sven, yeah. what's the greatest song of all time? Alright, I've had a think and I'm actually going to go with an Australian party classic, You're the Voice by John Farnham. Always gets the party started. So me and Stu have just looked blankly at each other there. <laughs> we, we have no idea what this song is. What's it called? You're the Voice. You're the Voice. By John Farnham. John Farnham. If can, you go to a house party in Australia, it, it will go, go what, off. What, what kind of music is that? It's 80s, ah, like late 80s. Classic. Yeah. It's got a mullet in the film. Clip. Oh, yes. That's <laughs> definitely getting well, YouTube even better, later. Even Talking better. of YouTube, I'm being fatter on YouTube now. Oh, we are, aren't we? Yeah, so... Uh, get yeah. watching. Get on YouTube and, and Google John Farnham. And then Google Man being fat and look at some of our cool videos. Neighbours are home and away. Well, I didn't really grow up watching either. Neighbours is filmed one suburb away from where I grew up. That is where Ramsey Street is. But if I did watch one, it would be Home and Away. I always think Home and Away looks dead windy and cold. Like, I know yeah, it's in Australia, like, and it's but they have dead to wear warm. bikinis. Yeah, but I and always it's think, actually freezing. You know, when they're on the beach, I always think, how windy does it look in Home and Away? <laughs> I can't ever say. I've watched it all quickly. I, don't, I, I, don't I really haven't know. watched it for years. I, I didn't watch Home and Away. I bet you. Alf's in it still. Alf. Is it Alf? Alf Stewart. Alf Stewart, that's the guy. Alf Stewart. No, you're thinking of neighbours. You're getting your two mixed up. Alf Fisher was uh, home and away. That's the only character I know. I don't know. Anyway, it's been a long time since I watched it. Would you rather get into a fight, a bar fight? Okay. So you've got to team up with one of these people to fight the other two. Okay. Right? Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman, Mel Gibson. I mean, I would have to 
Mary Mel Gibson. Obviously, I've just said Lethal Weapon is one of my favourite films. But also, I think between the two of us, we'd just be absolute bulldogs. And I'd take them down at the knees. Take them down at the knees. You haven't seen me play basketball. Yeah? Mm. Vicious is my nickname. Is that right? Yep. I can't believe it. (laughs) Ben does not take any prisoners. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's our podcast. Ben, you've been an amazing guest. Thanks for having me. It's It's okay. We will be coming back with a a bit of a, a first for the next podcast for episode six. Oh, right. So we are, Manchester has put together a team to play an 11 side game in Oldbury okay. next Sunday. Um, and we are going to go down there. So we'll be doing a podcast on the on the battle bus on the way down. The battle bus. And we'll be talking to some Manchester players. We'll be talking to some Oldbury players. And we'll be getting some reaction of the game. That is in aid of the British Heart Foundation. Um, we've been invited down by Oldbury to rate raise some money. Fantastic. This is what Man vs. Fat does, doesn't it? Yeah, it of course it does. Travelling the country. Yeah, and meeting people and talking. This is the whole point of this podcast. It is. To get people, men, talking about losing weight. So, a mad, a mad bus on the way down there. A talking, mad bus pre-game, talking. And then, how yeah, is it going to You will be doing the guest presenting because I will be driving the bus. How is it, how is it going to then pan out on the way back? Yeah, making some wild predictions about the score. I think so. And then seeing whether they came true on the way back. And maybe then just have a few chat with the players uh, of the opposite team. Yeah. Have a see what see I what think we might be going like. to Weatherspoons for a couple of pints and a bit of bite to eat after. That is the day before we weigh in. It could be an absolute day. disaster, <laughs> or it could be yeah, the best all podcast. Yeah, hard work. I'll be like, guys, the league's lost. 400 kilos for the season. Actually, we've only lost 350 now. Yeah, because 18 of us have all just gone down for a couple of pints. We'll be all right. We'll burn it, we'll burn it off during the game. What a great day. But yeah, <laughs> it could be an absolute disaster or it could be the best podcast we've ever done in my eyes. Do you know what? Candid is always the best in my eyes, to be fair. Candid is always the best. Just like photos, Candid is always the best. We are definitely that. So, if anybody's got any stories to tell us, literally, we haven't had anybody, have we? We've had maybe a couple of people tweet us. Uh, we want some stories, guys. We want to speak to some people about their weight loss journeys. Sorry to use that pun, that word. The one that Shan doesn't like. Yeah, well, the, nobody likes it because it's like... It just reminds me of that band who did... Yeah, uh, well, it's just a bit like... Cliche. Biggest Loser and a bit like X Factor, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it is a journey, weight loss is a journey. We want to talk to you, we want your stories, we want to come and we will travel, we will talk to you, we will talk to anybody about weight loss. We will, if you've got a subject you want to talk, you want us to talk about, email us. You can email us at stew at mvspodcast at icloud.com. Yep. You can follow us on Twitter, mvspodcast, search that on Twitter. Talk to us, guys. It doesn't have to be a football story, weather story. It could be something. It could be any kind of weather story. It could be any questions. It could be anything. Indeed, indeed. And, and do you know what, guys? You don't even have to be um, local to us. You can be up in our country. We are more than happy to travel to you. Um, and we just, we just, I think me and you, Stu, just love meeting new people, don't we? And I think that's the, that's the most warming thing for yeah. us, anyway. Yeah, it's common ground. 
It's my done. favourite thing too. I think I got involved in three leagues. Yeah. <laughs> You've just been greedy now. Spence, you've been amazing. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thanks. Roman, amazing as ever. It's been a pleasure, Stuart. Thank you very much. And thank you, Sven. Yeah. Always.